painting. The views and opinions expressed on 1360 KHNC are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Excursion Broadcasting Network. Good morning. Welcome to the Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry Radio Church Program. I'm your host, Rick Rodriguez. I will give out contact information later in the program. And I'm going to begin with a uh, thought. You know, through the years, uh, friends that were Bible teachers and Bible teachers that I had listened to early in my Christian life uh, and later up into the present. Many of these teachers had told the the, uh, audience that uh, we are to, as believers, we are to focus on Christ and things that are negative, things that would cause uh, fear, things of this nature. Uh, We are not to present things discomforting to God's children. Well, I have listened to this, and uh, I realize that there are some things, yes, that uh, would be how would you phrase it, Um, negative. And I'm trying to think of an example, which I can't presently right now. But I do know that by reading the Scripture, it is evident that Christ spoke of things that the disciples and the crowds at his time found very disturbing. But nevertheless, he presented to the disciples, and they communicated to the believers in the years following, um, very, you could say, negative. Truth generally is not negative. Truth is truth. Truth explains something uncomfortable, maybe, something that... um, wouldn't be pleasant, like hardship, suffering. Christ said that if we follow him, we're going to be hated. If we follow him, we're going to be persecuted. If we follow him, we're going to suffer. So with these teachers, uh, you know, trying to protect God's children from unpleasant things, is really uh, they're being unfaithful to the Lord. They're being unfaithful to Scripture. Scripture is Scripture. Christ presented all through his ministry uh, things that would not be considered to be positive. And the Scripture 
from Genesis to Revelation presents things that are not pleasant, but true. And I just felt to begin this, this way today because as I am uh, not only studying the scripture for these programs, but as I am looking at current events, uh, I have never seen things develop uh, in a prophetic way like I'm watching things develop right now. Uh, in the 70s, I knew what Christ had said in Matthew, Mark, and Luke about the times of the end prior to his return. And, but I didn't see things fit like I see things fit today. All I know is that uh, there are many Bible teachers that uh, will not address an important matter. And the important matter I'm speaking of is many, but, but Antichrist or Antichrists or uh, the wicked or what we would term in our, in our modern vernacular, uh, devil worshippers, children of the devil. John spoke of these children of the devil in chapter, in his first epistle. We have to, uh, the Bible teachers and the prophecy teachers, are to take what is in the scripture, and they are to present it to God's children, whether disturbing, distressing, negative, or not. We are to present what is in the scripture and how it would pertain to the present. And... Um, I've had to think about these things. Many believe that there is going to be a rapture, uh, an early event, a catching up, a calling away, a distancing uh, the children of God, the believers, from any type of hardship, persecution of the coming Antichrist, and the children uh, who are Antichrist and the societies who are anti-Christ. Well, I have stated many times, I do not believe there is going to be a rapture, or a pre-trib, or a mid-trib, or a multi-rapture, uh, multi-raptures, is what they call them. I believe there will be one resurrection, and that resurrection will happen for those in Christ who have died that are already in paradise in the heart of the earth and when they are called to come up here when Christ calls them to the judgment seat his judgment seat to judge us for what we've done in our lifetime good or bad then also those who are living uh, at that time will be called at the same time there will be one resurrection. That is the way I, I see it. That's the way I explain it. Uh, it's not negative. It's the truth. It prepares God's children for a long-distance race. That's the best way I can present it. We are in a race. Uh, we
we are in a, a situation where we as believers are uh, maturing. We're in a field. We are being matured. We are growing. And there will become a time, there'll come a time when the end of the season of growth will be over. And that will be just before the resurrection. I have been studying Mark, Luke, and Matthew about the last ten years. Uh, and Christ in Matthew, I believe, makes it very, very clear that he did want, and I'm going to read these verses to you, and hopefully uh, you will be able to see what Christ is speaking to the disciples roughly 2,000 years ago about the last decade. Yes, he was talking about the time when Israel would become a nation. He was ta talking about the time even through the last 2,000 years. But really, two things only. And I'm going to begin to read from Matthew I'm going to, at, at, from point to point, or time to time, I will jump to Mark and Luke, because Mark and Luke are also explaining what Christ is explaining in the book of Matthew. There's a testimony of three. In the Gospel of John, uh, it is not mentioned, because the Gospel of John is a book that presents Christ and the Holy Spirit to the children of God that had become believers at that time. It was focused more on life. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke are focused on prophecy. Whereas John, in the book of John, there's very little prophecy mentioned there, just mainly um, uh, the matter of life. And I'm going to take my time, and I want to be thorough in this program uh, because I have discussed Matthew in the past, and I am going to hit once again on everything that I have presented uh, months ago, a half a year ago. To begin, I'm going to say again that the book of Matthew, chapter 24, the Christ is giving an account of two events, simply, the destruction of the temple and the end of the age, not the end of the world, the end of the age. He's talking about the period of time that precedes his return, and most specifically, the decade preceding his return. In that decade, in that 10-year period of time, there are many specific events that occur that do not occur prior to that, to that period. In that 10 years, uh, there is the inauguration of Antichrist by Satan in the temple in Israel 
That does not happen except in type. Maybe 2,300 years ago with Antiochus Epiphanes, it was a type of a coming event. But in the last 10 years, that occurrence, that event where Antichrist, the, the, what we call Antichrist, but Israel knows it as the abomination of desolation, that, abom- that event will speak clearly to Israel and it will speak to the, the churches in the world that are looking. In the evangelical churches in America, we should be looking for the time, and we're going to be watching when he is christened, the, the, the son of hell. We will see that. But in the book of Matthew, also, three and a half years prior to the abomination of desolation being christened, three and a half years earlier, there will be a, a, a another event that takes place three and a half years earlier. And I'm keeping kind. I, I'm trying to keep this general to some degree. But it'll be exactly 1,260 days earlier. We'll be in a period of time that will be on the the prophet's time clock. We won't be on uh, our present day Greco or, or what do you call it uh, uh, calendar. We'll be on the prophet's calendar. 1,260 days for the first half of the tribulation. 1,260 days for the second half of the tribulation. So, on the day that the abomination of desolation stands in the holy place, from that day forward, there will be another 1,260 days. Prior to that, 1,260 days earlier, there will be a signing of an agreement between that individual and the nation of Israel. This happens in the last decade, prior to Christ's coming. This has never happened before. So, that last decade, in Matthew 24, Christ is speaking specifically in detail about what happens in that decade. So, I'm going to take my time and I'm going to do this. I don't know in the future if I will ever do Matthew 24 again. I will refer to it, but I'm not going to uh, take the time to do it again because I have taught extensively on Matthew 24. And Matthew 24 being specific signs of the last decade. So, I'm going to begin with uh, verse 2. I'll start with verse 1, actually. Jesus left and was going out of the temple, meaning that Christ knew that the future plan that he had with the world would not be, at that time, 
centered around the temple. It had a dual meaning. Number one, it meant that Israel's temple, the it was the, the center of the Jewish religion. He was going to end the Jewish religion as they understood it at that time. And at the same time, he was saying that he is the temple, and that temple was going to die and be put in the grave. Jesus left and was going out of the temple. His disciples came to him, and I think it was Peter, John, and Mark, came and called his attention to the buildings. Verse 2, he answered and replied to them, Do you see all these things? Truly, I tell you, not one stone will be left here on another that will not be thrown down or destroyed or taken down. Now he was pointing, and in his mind he knew that at A.D. 70, Antiochus Epiphanes would come into Jerusalem. There would already be an occupation of the Roman uh, military, but he knew that there would be a day when Antioch, uh, when uh, Titus, not Antiochus Epiphanes, I'm sorry, when Titus would destroy the temple and everything would be leveled to the ground. He knew that, but he wasn't focusing on that because he said, this is going to be the first thing that's going to happen to you disciples. The children of Israel won't understand it, but you, my disciples, you will see it, but you will not be in Jerusalem at that time because later on there would be warnings, do not be in Jerusalem when you see this take place. Verse 3. While he's sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples approached him again privately and asked, Tell us, when will these things happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So they want to know about the temple. That hasn't left their thinking because the temple is everything. That's the center of uh, of all that Israel as a people, the children of Israel, and their religion is the temple. But the second question is, and what is the sign of your coming of the end of the age? Verse 4, And Jesus replied to them, Watch out, be watchful, that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. Now, he just jumped, from verse 3, he jumped to the future. He jumped to 2020, in the 2020s. He jumped to the last decade. And in that time, in the last decade especially, there's going to be deception like the world has never seen. 
and year by year it will get the deception will increase watch out that no one deceives you many will come in my name saying I am the Messiah we already now believe that uh, we can see that through the technology with AI that AI is becoming you might say representing God it's a representation of, of God through technology you have individuals who at the same time believe that they are the Caesars of Rome the gods that uh, that Rome had they're declaring themselves they believe with their great power that they are you might say the, the, the gods of the present time well we know they're not but there will be an individual who will basically claim to be Christ we know that then he says you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars well we've heard about wars rumors of wars since the 70s after World War II but not like we're hearing today presently there are there's the conflict in Ukraine there's conflict beginning in the Middle East there's conflict beginning uh, in the region around Ukraine we hear of China is now uh, preparing to invade Taiwan just two years two or three years ago China went into Hong Kong I'm trying to remember how far back that was uh, also I have been talking about how China's first step will be to go into Taiwan following that their objectives will be on South Korea I just read an article this week that South Korea is uh, they're becoming to they're a little nervous because they know that once Taiwan falls the next industrial base or, or uh, a base of technology that China is going to go after is Korea and the nation south of China Thai, uh, Vietnam some of those other nations down along the coast are very nervous also wars and rumors of wars but the Lord said see that you're not alarmed okay he is talking here starting with verse 4 he's talking about the time in that decade that final 10-year period of time there must be an initial period called the time of sorrows and birth pains we are in that time I want to just say that that uh, I've been watching in the prophetic world and many people that are prophetic that that study eschatology not so much the prophetic world those that study eschatology the uh, studies of the end of the world the end of time the end of the age the end of a dispensation they are now everyone is beginning to speak to give their view of how and what they see in the scriptures well the Lord said that this would happen it has to happen 
And the children of God have to be careful because there is going to be deception not coming just from the other side, the other kingdom, but there will be deception that will also take place within the kingdom of heaven, within the churches, within the family of God. And this, the, the Christian people, the believers, I'll give you verses, I'll give you my, my thought and my view, and then you know what I feel, what I think, then you're going to hear others doing exactly the same thing. But the Lord said it would have to happen. And there would be, we would be in a time of deception. Uh, this would be a time where we would be bombarded with, with the demonic spirits that come to deceive. Who? The children of God as a family, but especially those who God is calling to present the truth to his family in the time in which we are living right now. I have to personally be careful that I'm interpreting what I see correctly and that I take the time to present it as I see it. Now we'll be back to continue in a few minutes. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit TeheboTeaClub.com. Tehebo is spelled T like Tom, A-H-E-E-B like boy, O, then continue with the word T and then the word club. The complete website is TeheboTeaClub.com or call us at 818-610-8088, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-610-8088, TeheboTeaClub.com. i 
Okay. My contact information is Olive Tree Ministry, P.O. Box 872, Longmont, Colorado, 80501. I'm sorry, 80502. And um, also for the programs, every Sunday from 9 to noon are here on uh, 1360 KHNC AM radio. And the podcasts are 1360KHNC.com. So, with eschatology, everyone has a, all of the, all of the Bible teachers, they have a view. They have a, a, a thought. Well, I'm giving you my understanding of what the Lord is saying, Christ is saying to uh, his churches in the last decade. We are presently in a time of sorrows and birth pains. We have not entered into the time of tribulation. Tribulation is two parts. A tribulation and a second half of tribulation called great tribulation. I'll go on with what uh, Matthew says here. Verse 6. You're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed, because these things must take place, but the end is not yet. Now, he's not saying 2,000 years off. He's not saying 100 years off. I believe that because we're in this time of birth pains and sorrows, we are within that 10-year period prior to his return. Verse 7. Nation will rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. Okay, he just said that you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. Don't be alarmed. But then he comes right back and he says, Nation will rise up against nation, and this has already begun now and kingdom against kingdom. In Luke, uh, it talks about ethnos against ethnos. So it, it would be internally within a nation, it would be internal racial war. And we are seeing that in this country. It would be ethnos against ethnos. Kingdom against kingdom, kingdoms without our borders, and then war within our borders. There will be famines, earthquakes, in many, many places. All of these events are the beginning of labor pains. So something has begun, and in another translation in the King James, it says, beginning of sorrows and labor pains. We are in, these are the beginning, we're in that time of labor pains, in the time of, of sorrows. Then, he, this, is, this ends with verse 8. So verse 4 through verse 8, in my understanding, is speaking of the time before the tribulation begins. 
I was listening to a Bible teacher this week. He is convinced, and I've heard other people say, they're convinced we are in the tribulation. I say we are not. Okay, with that, I will present this thought to you. In there is one event, there is one thing, I call it an event, that starts the tribulation, that starts the seven years of tribulation. It's the beginning of a seven-year period of affliction and hardship. The first three and a half years are just tribulation, which are greater hardships than in the time in which we are presently. We're in the time of birth pains and sorrows. Tribulation is going to be more severe. The hardships are going to be pretty unbearable. But not like the last three and a half years of great tribulation. One thing only starts a tribulation. One thing. That is when the coming king of Babylon signs an agreement with the nation of Israel and that agreement is in Daniel 9.27 and I'm going to read that to you. Okay, Daniel 9.27 I'll read it out of the uh, Amplified. And he, this coming king of Babylon, he shall enter into a strong and firm covenant with the many for one week, seven years, which would be with Israel. And in the middle of the week, this, this week he's talking about, again, is seven years. So to begin the seven years, he enters into a firm covenant. And in the middle of the week, halfway through that week, again, we are going to be at that time when this agreement is signed for the people that study eschatology, that are prophetic people. The minute we see this individual, and I will say it will be an American president, when that individual signs this agreement with the nation of Israel, that begins this fulfillment, an agreement that begins a seven-year time period, and we are now on the prophet's calendar, the calendar that Daniel was the timeline that he, is, that he understands. Each year will be 360 days, not 365 and a quarter, 360 days for a year. And 1,260 days later, on that 61st day, 1,261 days, this individual will break the covenant. In the middle of the week, he will stop the sacrifice and grain offering for the remaining three and a half years. Again, this is out of the Amplified Version. So, he begins it. 1,260 days later is the tribulation. Then, on that day following, he breaks that agreement. He ends what he had agreed to allow Israel to do, to offer 
sacrifices and offerings, he breaks that agreement. That is the first day of the following 1,260 days, which we believers understand as Great Tribulation. The Great Tribulation will last 1,260 days. Okay. Now this agreement, he says, in the middle of the week, he will cause the sacrifice and the offering to cease for the remaining three and one-half years. It ends. And upon the wing or pinnacle of abominations shall come one who makes desolate until the full determined end is poured out on the desolator. So Daniel is saying that following that breaking of that contract, this man becomes an abomination. He is no longer human. He is a truly the incarnation of Satan. But he has to, he's allowed for three and a half years, 1,260 days, he is allowed to destroy. But then eventually, his end will come, and he will be destroyed. Now I'm going to go to the sister verses of Daniel 9.27. This is Isaiah chapter 28, verses 15 through 18. So in the book of Matthew, uh, the Lord now has talked about the time of sorrows and birth pains. Then he is now switched into a time of persecution. But again, that time where that persecution begins is on the day that this king of Babylon signs an agreement with Israel. That is when it begins. That's the only the only thing. I don't want to call it an event. That's the only way I can express it. It is the one individual act that begins the seven years of tribulation. Nothing else. Not wars. And nothing. Just that signing of an agreement between the king of Babylon, United States president, and the nation of Israel. That begins the seven-year tribulation. Many have been saying that we're in the tribulation. Many began to say we're in the tribulation back in 20, uh, back in 2000, um, actually 1990, when was it? Back in the 90s. Then another said we started tribulation in about 2006. With the uh, with the in 2008, I think it was 2008, with the election of uh, Barack Obama. No, just the signing of an agreement between the United States, the President of the United States, and Israel. I don't know who will be the Prime Minister that this agreement is confirmed with. It's it's it exists. It needs to be confirmed.
Now in Isaiah 28. Isaiah 28 is a chapter that talks about the the, uh, the the psychological condition of Israel before they sign this agreement. And it talks about, it is speaking of, kind of you might say in detail, Israel has a sense, a very strong sense of security. Uh, verse 1 begins by, Woe to the crown of pride, to the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower which are on the head of the fat valleys of them that are overcome with wine. Israel is in a state of euphoria, is in a state of security, because the uh, I'm getting into it really deep, because Israel has just watched the fulfillment of the Gog and Magog war. Russia has been destroyed with all of the allies that come with Russia down to the Middle East to invade Israel. Russia has just been, with all of the enemies of Israel, eliminated. And Israel is in a position that she's never been in before. She has no enemies except for one enemy. And the enemy that Israel will have will be the United States of America. This will be the only enemy. Not China, the European nations, uh, Arab nations in the vicinity. Just one threat. The United States of America. This is one of the reasons why Israel wants the, to confirm an agreement between the United States and Israel that exists they want this individual, this present president, who is the uh, coming uh, son of perdition. Uh, he will be. He's called the King of Babylon. I'll give you the verse. Let me get it here. You can look up. This is in Isaiah 14, 4 through 20. This Antichrist will be called the King of Babylon. And Israel was warned by Isaiah to never sign an agreement with a foreign power. It was forbidden. God, through Isaiah, warned the children of Israel, do not ever make an agreement with a foreign power. Your God, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, will protect you from from the nations. And uh, <clears throat> God allowed Israel to have invasions because of her... Uh, she would fall into... Israel would, would uh, disobey the laws of God. And because of that, God would allow these nations to invade. Well, this time... I'm going to jump. I guess I can just go. I'll just read the verses because I want to be thorough. Behold, the Lord has a mighty and a strong one, which has a tempest of hail and a destroying storm, as a flood of mighty waters overflowing, 
shall cast down to the earth with the hand. This is talking about this individual that we would know, we would call Antichrist or the King of Babylon. The Lord has and will allow this individual to invade Israel. Verse 3, The crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim, shall be trodden under foot. This is right, very complete that Isaiah 28, they are signing, agreement, uh, signing an agreement and God will use that king that Israel signs the agreement with to invade. Verse 4, And the glorious beauty which is on the head of the fat valley shall be a fading flower. And as the hasty fruit before the summer, which when he looks up and sees it, while it is yet in his hand, he eats it up. In that day shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory and for a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people. So Isaiah is saying in chapter 5, in verse 5, in chapter 28, verse 5, this now is where the God of Israel will come in and he will be the one that the residue, a small group within the whole of the nation of Israel, a residue, he will be a help to them. Verse 6, For a spirit of judgment to him that sits in judgment, and for strength to them that turn the battle to the gate. There will be those who are faithful to the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts, Yahweh Sabaoth. He is the Lord who fights on behalf of the nation of Israel. This is also a type, and with the churches, the evangelical and the churches in the United States of America, I'm presenting to you the thought that if I'm correct, this individual who goes in to destroy and invade Israel also has plans for the body of believers in all of the seven churches in the United States of America. This is why I began the program by stating that the teachers and those who are study eschatology are not presenting to God's children in this country the truth about what is coming and the truth of our situation. I'm presenting this to you. The beginning of wisdom. To fear the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. We are an army. We are a mighty army. Weak believers. We are a more. We are a, an army. That is feared by the kingdom of darkness. By the prince of the power of the air. By the powers that rule in the heavens. We are feared we are feared in a way that Israel, uh, you, can't, you can't compare. The nations surrounding Israel militarily fear Israel. But we believers, because we have the Spirit of God in us, we are feared of all individuals. We are feared by Satan and his fallen angels and the demons and the kingdoms of the world. 
we are feared greatly. But we don't know that. We don't understand that. We don't see it. The men who have been the teachers, most, not all, most have never presented to God's children the great, mighty, magnificent, fearful army that we believers are when we are in the right position in our relationship with the Lord and in the uh, understanding of the abilities that we spiritually have as believers to fight the, the forces that are unseen in the unseen world. We have the authority to cast spirits out of people. We have uh, the authority to perform miracles, which everybody looks for miracles in the world in which we're going into. The individuals of the world, they're going to look for miracles. And they're going to, these. what they're looking for is going to be, uh, Antichrist is going to perform miracles. He and the false prophet, like mankind has never seen. And people are going to be deceived. This is why the Lord said, be not deceived. There will be many Christs, false Christs. There will be many people who will be able to perform occult miracles and deceive many, many, many. And we're about done with the first uh, hour. And I'm in Isaiah 28, verse 6. I'm going to go to verse 7 now, and then we're going to end this hour. Before we end the hour, um, I'll, I'll finish with verse 7. But they also have erred through wine, through strong drink, and out of the way. So this is the condition of man in his fallen nature. But even these who are taking the battle to the gate, they err through wine, through strong drink. They're out of the way. In other words, they have left their position. The priest and the prophet, this is talking about Israel, they have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. This is the danger to we believers to, to have our vision, to err in vision, to stumble in judgment. We're in a dangerous situation in this country. We, we individuals in the evangelical churches, Catholics, yes, Lutherans, all of them. But we, above all of the body in America, we in the evangelical churches, the prophets have erred through strong drink, the priests, the men who are in the pulpit. What kind of wine are they overcome by simply the culture the culture is a it's like in Egypt the Egyptians they were they were overcome by um, the culture the Babylonians overcome by the culture and we in this country our culture is so powerful we we I don't want to believe that we live by the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. But we do. This is the American church. The lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, by the pride of life. We are not living by the Spirit. 
We have the spirit of the world. We believers who are faithful, we don't. We are not overcome with the spirit of the world. But we have to be careful. Now I'm going to end. For those that are that are going to to uh, drop off temporarily, the podcasts are on 1360khnc.com. You can go to the podcast for the programs of the Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry. And you can listen at your convenience. And uh, in the next hour, I'm going to continue with Isaiah chapter 28 and the, the, the agreement that is going to be signed by an American president with the nation of Israel. I will be back in a few minutes and I'll continue with the second hour of the Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry Radio Church Program. Again, I'm your host, Rick Rodriguez, and those that are dropping off, You're God listening bless to you. the Roar of the Rockies, KHNC, 1360 AM, Johnstown, Greeley, Loveland, Fort Collins. Hi, this is Dana from Saddle Up, Western Saddle and Tack Shop in Gilcrest, Colorado, right off Highway 85 and County Road 31. We are your one-stop equine shop. We offer saddle fittings on-site and off-site. Our motto, fit the horse, fit the rider, fit the budget. You can call us at 303-772-7821. Visit us on the web at saddleupcolorado.net. conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government, which is the true ruling power of our country. Edward Bernays, Propaganda, 1928. The Naturally Inspired Health Summit. Real solutions for healthy living. June 24th at the ranch in Loveland, next to the Budweiser Event Center. Come and meet local providers like Gail Lynn, inventor of the Harmonic Egg, adapted athlete Rustin Hughes from Be Bold Adapted Living, Christy Sullivan from Vitality for Life, Christy Hall from Living Well Health Group, Children's Health Defense, and Weston A. Price Foundation. Get your tickets now before prices increase. Visit naturallyinspiredhealthsummit.com. 1360 KHNC is proud to announce our partnership with My Kind CBD, a local Colorado-based company that uses no pesticides, no herbicides, completely organic, no heavy metals. All their products are CAO certified. That's right, independently lab certified. Our prices are the best in the country. Go out to 1360KHNC.com and hit the shopping cart button and make your purchase today. Hey, this is Rod from PCs and Parts in Loveland. We're your local computer and parts repair store. We have been in business for over 18 years, and we have been fixing computers and love doing that. If you're having anything with technical-related issues, come by and see us. To reach us, call us at 970-203-0696 or go to our website at PCsandparts.com. We'd love to talk to you about your particular problems.
And welcome to the second hour of today's Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry Radio Church Program. I'm your host, Rick Rodriguez. This is hour two. My contact information is Olive Tree Ministry, P.O. Box 872, Longmont, Colorado, 80502. I give out the contact information right away because I forget. And the podcasts for the programs are on 1360khnc.com. In the previous hour, I have been talking about Matthew chapter 24, the last decade before Christ's coming, and how it is specifically, Matthew 24 is specifically the Lord directed and answered the questions of the disciples, the second question being, and what is the sign of your coming in the end of the age? Uh, and this decade, the decade prior to Christ's return, this decade will have the signs, all of the signs, in a complete fashion to be the way in which all of these signs will speak to the Christian churches internationally, but especially in the United States of America. We see these signs happen. We know that Christ is fulfilling prophecy, and we can see the sequence of the prophecies to be fulfilled. It's a very simple example. Before the tribulation begins, there will be a time of sorrows and birth pains. Matthew chapter 24 up to verse 4. Then there will be a time of hardship, which is called tribulation. That is up to verse 8. And starting at verse 8, the tribulation begins. Then there will be a time of great tribulation. Then the final will be a time of the judgments of God upon the earth. That's the way, simply, that it's broken down. Now, you'll have to go to the podcast for the first hour, because I'm going to resume where I was, so I don't break the momentum. And I'm going to pick up, I've been going through Isaiah chapter 28. Uh, This chapter is speaking in detail about the psychological condition of Israel when they sign an agreement with the king of Babylon or a president of the United States and when they sign that agreement the tribulation begins and it shows the psychological condition of the children of Israel in Israel they are in euphoria they're in a euphoric state because Russia the enemy and Iran and other nations in Turkey they have just been defeated and now basically all of Israel's enemies are dealt with, except for one, the United States of America. And that will be the only threat now. China won't be a threat, not like the United States. And Israel will make an agreement with the president of this country. Uh, It will sign an, an existing agreement assuring Israel that Antichrist will never invade Well, three and a half years later, 
Antichrist or the coming President of the United States will break that covenant, break that treaty, break that agreement, and will invade Israel. And he'll do that right after he declares himself to be God in the temple. Three and a half years or 1,261 days after the initial promise was made. Now I'm going to go on to verse 8. I was talking and ending the program with the prophets and the rabbis and the religious world of Israel. They are erring in their vision. main thing is vision. They're, they err because they are swallowed up of, because of their great victory, many different things. And, and after a great victory, there will be naturally, you know, uh, wine, festivities, things of this nature. But they don't see the real danger of what has just happened. They're not seeing what God is, what Isaiah is trying to present to them. Isaiah has told them repeatedly never to make an agreement with the foreign nation. Israel is to put her trust in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob solely. And Israel has made an agreement with the king of another nation. And their vision, they have erred. And they have stumbled in their judgment. They have made a bad decision. The worst decision Israel has ever made. They've just made an, a, a decision, a, a, a judgment, and they don't know who they have signed the agreement with. We, they don't see this individual as Antichrist, Anti-Messiah. They see him as an individual, a king, a power. We believers, we see him with all of his different names and his titles. I'm going to just present a few of them to you. This Now, I began the last hour by stating that many Christians over the years have told me, Brother, you need to focus on the, the, the Lord, only the Lord. You don't, talk about, you don't need to talk about, think about, occupy your time with negative things. You don't need to talk about the devil. You don't need to talk about demons. You don't have to talk about fallen angels and you need to focus on the Lord Jesus only, and you need to... And that's been the counsel I have received from these men. Many of these individuals that were my teachers, they have never, ever understood that not only did the scriptures through the disciples present to the new believers who Messiah, who this Christ was, who this individual was, and what had happened after his death, and the Holy Spirit being given to man, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit to empower us for the coming battle. We see all that. They have discussed all that. But in the book of Revelation, and even with Paul, and John, and Peter, and Matthew, and Mark, and Luke, and Timothy, they have all presented the other side of there's the kingdom of heaven and then there's the kingdom of darkness. We cannot be deceived to not know our enemy, 
I always give the example. King David, he was victorious as a, uh, a king. He was victorious in battle. And the reason is because he knew his enemy. He knew the enemies of Israel. He knew how to fight the battles with these enemies. Some enemies fought the battle on the plain with horses and chariots. David didn't go out onto the plains. He stayed in the hills in the, where the craggy rocks were. But then he had to fight the enemies in the hills. So he knew who his enemies were, and he knew how to fight them because he, he, he uh, studied their methods and the ways in which their strengths. We believers today in the evangelical churches, the pastors of the land starting back in the mid-70s, they have taught the scriptures, taught the gospels, and uh, many of the uh, important, many of the important uh, teachings in the faith, but very few, not there were there were some, who would actually teach the children of God the other kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, and by showing them the reality of that kingdom, they were successful in their life in their lives. And they have become very important uh, in the body of Christ because of the experience they have fighting the battles, the demons, and the attacks, and the breaking the curses. So, many we are to, to know who this enemy is. He's, the, he's an adversary. Uh... He's, we know him as Antichrist. We, the, Jew, the Jewish people know him as the abomination of desolation. Uh, the Bible says uh, in Isaiah 10, he is called the Assyrian. It actually presents to us where his lineage comes from. Assyria. That uh, is part of his uh, lineage. He is called the Assyrian. And the Antichrist, he will have lineage from that area of rule where the Assyrians ruled during their, the time of their power. He's called the beast in Revelation chapter 11, in Revelation chapter uh, 13, in Revelation chapter 19 and uh, verse 19 and 20. He's called the beast. We have to know our enemy. Uh, what I'm presenting to you is not negative. It is Scripture. God put it in the Scripture for us to understand so that we know we have an enemy, an individual. Many, there are some Bible teachers that say that there is no such thing as an individual antichrist. Well, I, I'm going to not beg to differ. I am going to differ because there is an individual which I just presented, the abomination of desolation who declares himself to be God in the temple in Jerusalem. An individual. This isn't a spirit. This isn't a collective of individuals. It's not an antichrist spirit. It's not antichrists, a plural. It is an individual. So for those pastors and teachers and Bible teachers that say that 
there is no such thing as an individual that will uh, declare himself to be God. The scripture says the opposite. So this is why I say, we study. We study so that we're not deceived. He's called the beast. He's called Belial, the, the Belial. Uh, I think Christ used that term once, uh, Beelzebub, uh, meaning this individual is full of nothing but wickedness. He's nothing but evil. And according to the way that the scripture puts it, he is worthless. He's just, he's worth nothing. He contributes nothing. Uh, he's also called in the Psalms, he's called a bloody man. He's called a deceitful man. And uh, in Isaiah 25, 20, verse 5, he's called the branch of the terrible. He's called, uh, yeah, terrible. He's, uh, he's also a chief prince in the sense of the underworld in Ezekiel 38, 2. He can be addressed uh, as a head ruler of darkness. Um, he's, let's see here, I'll get you some others. He's called a, he will be the head over men, many countries when he invades the nations. He'll be the leader of the earth. This is in Psalms 110 verse 6. The one that is very interesting, he's called the idle shepherd. In other words, he's worthless and good for nothing shepherd. He's a shepherd who uh, eventually has a wound and his eye becomes dark, a hand becomes withered. I believe that will be with this assassination attempt when uh, he becomes the abomination of desolation right in that vicinity of time. That's in Zechariah 11:17. He once he is wounded, once he receives this wound by a sword, not a physical blade, long sword, but actually probably more like a bullet, a wound to the head, and it disfigures him. He's so disfigured that he doesn't ever appear again in the open. This is why the technology via hologram or whatever you want to call it will be able to present him whole. But it says he, he will be crippled. He will be disfigured. He will be evil. He's called the idle shepherd. Uh, he's also called the king of Babylon. Now, in this term, king of Babylon, yes, Nebuchadnezzar, was a king of Babylon. But we have to remember, for Bible Bible students, the scripture speaks of Babylon in, in the sense of Babylon the Great, which was not Babylon the Great during the time of Nebuchadnezzar. It was just Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar was a king of Babylon at that time. There were two Babylons spoken of in the scripture. Ancient Babylon that sits in the desert of sand there in Iraq. That, whenever you read the scriptures, you can read a chapter like uh, Isaiah, I'm sorry, like 
Jeremiah 50 or 51. And as you're reading about Babylon, it, it flips back and forth. It will be talking about ancient Babylon. In the next verse, it will be talking about end of the world, great Babylon, the end of the world Babylon that sits between the oceans of water. So there is a Babylon that sits in the ocean of sand and a Babylon that sits at the end of the world between oceans of water, the Pacific and the Atlantic, the Gulf to the south and the Great Lakes to the north. End of the world Babylon. But but in every mention of Babylon, we have to have the discernment to know is Christ or is the, is the Jeremiah or Ezekiel or whoever uh, uh, talking about ancient or end of the world because it'll flip back and forth. It's it, it just it will jump back and forth. And the Lord did this so that it would be hidden from the children of the devil who are trying to understand prophecies so that they can uh, uh, so they can eliminate all of God's children. But God uses that technique to to protect the word, to protect. I should get the examples, but I don't have the time. So the king of Babylon, at the end of the world, will be a king or a president of the nation of the end of the world that sits between the waters. He will be the president of the United States of America. This king uh, will sign an agreement with Israel in Isaiah chapter 28. I'm getting to those verses. And then also in Daniel 9.27, this king of Babylon, who will be the coming Antichrist, the son of perdition, uh, the little horn in Daniel, uh, the man of sin in Thessalonians, uh, he'll be the uh, prince in Daniel 9.26. Uh, he has all these different he can be presented in many different ways. He's the uh, uh, son of perdition. Again, in Second Thessalonians 2.3. He's, again, he is the idle shepherd. And it even says in Isaiah 14 that he doesn't even rule his own people properly in his kingdom in Babylon the Great. In fact, he doesn't care for them and he will destroy them. Now, I'm going to go back to Isaiah 28. Now, verse 8. Now, this is talking about the priests and the prophets in Israel. They have lost their spiritual grip. They are spiritually uh, compromised because of the culture and strong drink. Because of that, they err in vision. This is exactly the same 
describing clearly what has happened to the church, evangelical churches of the United States of America. The men who have been in the positions of responsibility since the 70s, they took a part of the scripture, they ignored the balance of the scripture. What they ignored was the prophecies of the time in which we live in. They have not really paid much attention to intentionally. They didn't want to talk about prophecies. They didn't want to talk about looking for an end of the world, Babylon the Great. They didn't want to talk about nor address a matter of a coming Antichrist or a son of perdition or a idle shepherd. They would skim over it. And the children uh, in the assemblies, they know who the Lord is. They know who Christ is. They know uh, about his resurrection. They know about the Holy Spirit. They have experiences. They just don't know how to fight the battle and the, uh, the battles and the other spiritually. And the other thing is, most of them don't have an idea of the way in which Scripture is so very clear on the prophecies of our time. I say that it's the Bible is so clear that the, the coming son of perdition will be an American president. He will be a baby boom generation individual born during that time that we call the baby boom generation. He will have uh, <clears throat> dual citizenship. He will, uh, he will have uh, partially, he will hit part of it, part, part of his race. He will be Anglo. The other part, he will be uh, Assyrian. This is how detailed the scripture is. And the pastors of this country, they've erred in their vision. They didn't see clearly, and this is the intent, intention of the devil, is to keep them blinded so that they would not build an army. They would build assemblies, churches, mega churches, churches that are ineffective, believers in assemblies that have no vision. They also err in vision. They also stumble in judgment. This is important that we, in the decisions we make, our judgment is sound. Our judgment is we are clear that we don't stumble, that we don't make mistakes. This costs us when we make mistakes that, that can take us years to recover from. Then it says in verse 8, and I'm going to go to the bottom of the hour. I'll come back and continue. Verse 8. This is very, very important. Yes, Israel, it applies to them, but I have to apply it to the evangelical churches in America. The Catholics, Lutherans, uh, the uh, Anglicans, Episcopalians, Presbyterians, all of them, yes, it applies to them too. But my focus as an evangelical teacher is to the evangelical churches. Now, verse 8. This is very important. All the tables are full of vomit and filthiness. 
so that there is no place clean. This is a spiritual condition that the children of God in America in the churches have to take seriously. The tables that many of you have been sitting at were full of vomit and filthiness. There was nothing but disease, contamination, uh, things that are vile, that you have been sitting at tables where you have not been helped to grow. You haven't been helped in your Christian life. You haven't grown. You are, are still young, mature, immature, because you've been sitting at tables that are full of vomit and filthiness. <clears throat> you haven't been told the truth. You've been told lies. And it says, there is no place clean. Okay, I'm going to be back to continue in a few minutes, so hold fast. Hi, this is Mike Morris, owner of Warriors Revolution Tactical in Longmont. At Warriors Revolution, we have the largest selection of tactical gear and ammo in northern Colorado. But what many people may not know is that we now sell firearms. And even despite the recent run on firearms and ammunition, we have plenty of product in the store, including ARs, AKs, Glocks, SIGs, HK, and more. And don't forget all the bulk ammunition at the best prices in town. Need to do a private firearms transfer? We can do that, too. I am a veteran of the United States Marine Corps, and our team is made up of veterans and security experts, not a bunch of salesmen. Our team is trained and fought with much of the actual equipment we sell. And one thing you should know is that we support the foundations and principles this great country was founded upon. So if you need tactical gear, ammo, firearms, AR parts or upgrades, and even survival accessories, stop by and visit us on Ken Pratt Boulevard and Bowen Street in Longmont, or visit warriorsrevolution.com. That's warriorsrevolution.com. Day by day, day by day, oh dear Lord, three things I pray, to see thee more clearly, love thee more dearly, follow thee more. 
Okay, we'll continue now with the uh, second hour and the uh, second half of the second hour. Podcasts are on 1360khnc.com. You can go to the programs. You can listen at your convenience. Podcast 1360khnc.com. Uh, contact information. Mailing address is uh, Olive Tree Ministry. I forgot to mention that in the first hour. Olive Tree Ministry, P.O. Box 872, Longmont, Colorado, 80502. God loves His people. He desires the very best for His people. Uh, He demands the best from those who are in responsible positions as teachers, as pastors uh, in the prophetic world those that are prophets, those that are uh, evangelists, those that do have apostolic abilities. He expects the very, very best for his children from these individuals. And Paul is warned that these type of individuals had better be very careful on how and what they teach God's children because they're going to receive a greater condemnation Uh, a greater punishment, a more severe punishment. This is why it's very dangerous for young people to desire positions of authority. You're not not, uh, uh, overseeing the value of vehicle driving down the road or a home that you may purchase or land or cattle or, you know, uh, whatever. Practically speaking, you may have Uh, control over in the kingdom of heaven men are called by God and in that calling there is a demand by the Holy Spirit because these are souls of men these are souls of God's children they are to Take that individual as a believer and to present the pure word of God to them, the teachings of Christ, to help these individuals mature, to grow. We're, we're uh, sheep in his pasture that need to be protected. We are in his field and we are in a season during our lifetime where we grow and we are to mature. Because there will come a time where there will be a harvest. And we want to grow during our lifetime. We want to mature. There's a a thought, a term called the saving of the soul. When we meet the Lord on that day of salvation, we receive eternal life. That's just the beginning. Now, through the rest of our life, we have to save ourselves and our soul. Our minds have to be renewed. Our flesh has to be subdued. Uh, We are to spiritually uh, take care of this vessel, our mind, emotion, our will. We are to be transformed. 
from what we were by nature before we meet Christ. We have to be transformed into the likeness of who Christ is. That is God's desire. And uh, because of that, it's a very serious matter for these men who have been called to these responsible positions to take your soul lightly. And it's your responsibility to, uh, to actually uh, have the discernment that you need to make sure that you are in, a, in an environment where you're going to grow and mature and learn the things of God, the doctrines of Christ. It's your responsibility. You can't be like that one talented servant who just sits on what you have and you never invest it and you don't know where and how to invest it and you don't know anybody around you that can help you to mature. You have to take responsibility for your maturity. Are you being told that? You're going to stand before the Lord and you're not going to be, you're not going to be able to say, well, Lord, you know, these people didn't help me. No, you're not going to be able to use that excuse with the Lord. You have to take responsibility to search out individuals that can help you in your Christian walk. But then also, if you're in prison, you still, even though there's no one around to assist you, to help you, you still, through prayer, you have to learn how to pray. You have to learn how to seek the Lord, how to uh, help. Uh, he can help you mature, even though you're confined, and incarcerated, in jail, whatever. You still have the way to mature and grow. So, many Christians in America have erred in their vision. They've stumbled in their judgment. I know of Christians that have been Christians for 10, 20 years, and they grow, but they grow very slowly. And the Christian life is the, is the deepest life you can have. There is no life in the universe that is deeper than the Christian life. It is the life that uh, springs back no matter what. It is redundant. I mean, it is, it is resilient. And it will, you just, you nourish it and you, uh, you pray and God will use his spirit and that life will come alive in you. Stumble in judgment, err in their vision. All tables are full of vomit and filthiness, filthiness so that there is no place clean. I always have to speak about what I see that has taken place in the evangelical churches in America. I see many of the individuals that have been pastors that were not called. They were there because it was a occupation. They were called, they were in positions because their dad was a pastor. Or they were there just because they uh, wanted to be recognized, but they weren't called by God. They're going to suffer hardships <clears throat> at the time they meet Christ. Then, in the churches, in these assemblies, there are men 
who are there and women who are not even Christians. They are from the other kingdom. They have infiltrated. They are tares, not just in the assembly. They are tares sitting at the head positions in the pulpit. And they are not even believers, but they speak a good message. They speak about righteousness. They speak about things that are great, but they're not even born again. Again, are you? have you been in an assembly where they have erred in their vision? Where they've stumbled in judgment? Uh, have you been in an assembly where the tables are full of vomit and filthiness? There's nothing uh, nutritious. You're not being fed. Uh, everything is is contaminated with filth. Well, this is what Isaiah is presenting in Isaiah 28, verse 7 and 8. Now, verse 9. Who shall he teach knowledge? Who shall he make to understand doctrine? Those that are weaned from the teat. Those that are weaned from the breast. Drawn from the breasts. This is who the Holy Spirit is looking to. And I hear many interpretations of these verses that I'm going to present to you. Many interpretations. God is speaking to His children in America. He is speaking clearly through the current events. He is speaking very clearly through the condition of the assemblies, apostate. God is speaking. And in verse 10, Precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little, there a little. This is how God speaks to us. A precept. Line upon line. Here a little, there a little. He's always speaking to us. But we don't have an ear to hear. This is extremely dangerous for the children of God in the United States of America. I emphasize in my view and understanding of the scripture, we are in the land of this coming man of sin, the son of perdition. This is the Holy Spirit speaking to his people. It's evident, I hear, there is no, the United States is not in the Bible. It is in the Bible. It is the whale in the swimming pool. But the pastors, many, most, will not address it. Many do know about it. But they believe that we will be resurrected so there is no need to warn God's children. I say to these men, if you have been teaching, and I'm talking to pastors now, and you, you younger, you, uh, the family of God, you can listen to what I'm going to tell them. If you won't tell God's children the truth about the United States, then what's happening is God 
is going to do something that you won't believe He will do. He will allow you to be put in the hands of the Antichrist and you will suffer. Don't, it's in the Bible. It's in the Scripture. You who will not be faithful to the Lord, when that hardship comes, the Lord will not help you. He will let you He will let you suffer alone without Him. He's a righteous God. And you're going to cry out to Him. He won't hear you. He will... You think He's abandoned abandoned you? Yes, He has. God's children, God wants them to know the truth. And He demands it. He expects it. He commands it. Precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line, line upon line. Here little, there little. Verse 11. With stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to his people. With stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to his people. In other words, he's saying to Israel, uh, there is another people that doesn't speak Hebrew coming into your land. There are other nations that are coming and they're going to speak to you, but you won't know who they are. Verse 12, to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. This is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. What God has to speak to you will cause you who are weary to rest and you will be refreshed but you won't hear it and even uh, in another translation the people are telling Isaiah Isaiah who are you to speak to us this way what gives you the right to speak to us in the tone and the manner in which you're speaking to us. Who do you think you are? Verse 14. Hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men that rule this people which is, is in Jerusalem. And yes, in Jerusalem, there's uh, other nations that are coming to invade and they're going to speak in a tongue that the Hebrew people won't understand. And the people that are ruling Israel, now I'm going to give you a little more insight. These people will be globalists. The people that are going to rule the people in Jerusalem are going to be globalists. It's coming to Israel. It's already there. And the Israeli, the, the Jewish people in the land of Israel, they're ready for it. You see, they're going to enjoy victory. And that victory is going to cloud their judgment. And they're going to want to be protected. And the only, protect, the only a nation they need protection from will be the United States of America. And they will sign an existing agreement with this country, with this king of Babylon, for their protection. And here's what, here's what I told you. 
that there are two verses, sister verses. Daniel 9.27, a covenant, an agreement. And then also Isaiah 28, verse 15. God put Isaiah, Isaiah, he expounded, he, he, he presented in a, a overview of the condition of Israel and how, what, what the, the, the mindset of the Jewish people will be at the time of the signing of this covenant or this agreement. And here's how Isaiah phrases it. Remember, with this in mind, Isaiah had warned Israel, do not sign an agreement with another foreign nation, even though they had made some agreements, but not of this nature. This is a one-time, this has never happened before. And this begins, this verse 15, this is the first day, the minute they sign it, it begins a seven-year period of tribulation. 1,260 days for the first half, 1,260 days for the second half. Because you have said, Israel says, or God says, Isaiah says to Israel, because you, Israel, have said, we have made a covenant with death and with hell. Are we at agreement? Then Isaiah says, when the overflowing scourge passes through and they're saying it will not come unto us for we have made lies our refuge and under falsehood have we hid ourselves Israel has just erred in vision and in judgment we've made a covenant with death and with hell and that's what it's called the covenant with death and hell are we at agreement with the underworld with Sheol with Hades We've made an agreement. Well, they have just made an agreement with the coming abomination of desolation. And that is exactly what they have done. This man in the agreement that he signs is an agreement from the underworld. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, meaning it's not going to touch us. Something is coming. They already see it. But it's going to pass through. It's not going to come unto us, for we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. This is what has happened in the evangelical churches in America. Lies are our refuge. The big lie, a pre-trib rapture, a doctrine of demon. Another lie is America is not in the Bible. Another lie is that God would never allow us to suffer at the hands of Antichrist. God would never allow us to go through persecution. Another lie. Verse 16. But then, this is salvation. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion, Zion, for a foundation of stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, he that believeth shall not make haste. So, this is the Messiah. And for the Jewish people, the Messiah is yet to come still. They are still. He still has not revealed himself to them. 
But he is telling them through Isaiah in verse 16. Isaiah 28:16. Isaiah is presenting to the Jewish people Messiah, who we know as the Lord Jesus Christ. As Yeshua HaMashiach, we know him. They still do not see him, but Lord, even God, puts in these verses, when they're signing this agreement, he's saying, I still, I have promised Israel, I have made promises to them, I have covenants with them, still, I will be faithful to them. So there is a stone, a foundation stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Verse 17. Judgment also will I lay to the line and righteousness to the plummet. And the hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies and the waters shall overflow the hiding place. God has warned them. He's warned them and warned them and warned them. But still, they knew better. Then verse 18. He's going to sweep away the refuge. Verse 17. God is going to sweep away the refuge of lies. But it's going to be too late. And the water shall overflow the hiding place. Verse 18. And this is the faithfulness of God right here. And your covenant with death shall be annulled. Now this is revealing. You see, Israel, God has married himself to the children of Israel. He is their spouse. He is their husband. And they have just gone and committed an offense by marrying themselves to another. And this is why He says, but your covenant with death and hell shall be disannulled. You want to sign a marriage agreement with the underworld? I'm going to annul it. Because you're my people. I cannot allow you to marry the underworld. I won't allow it. And your agreement with hell shall not stand. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, then shall you be trodden down by it. The consequences, because of your actions, there will be consequences. But I'm a disannulling the agreement. It's not going to stand. But there is an overflowing scourge, meaning Antichrist and his armies are coming. And you're going to suffer because of it. You're going to be trodden down. You're going to be occupied You're going to be punished. Consequences. You sow to the wind, you reap the whirlwind. Verse 19. From the time that it goes forth, it shall take you. These are the consequences. And we in the evangelical churches in this country, there are consequences for us. There are consequences. If we ignore what is the truth, there will be consequences. And I I just say that as I end this, this second hour, that 
God is going to wake up many, many, many of His people. And many of His people are not going to allow this blindness any longer on their lives. And they know, I know many of you know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And He is. And this here, this type of message, what it will do is it will put a, a godly desire in you to listen. And this is what the Lord wants. He created the hearing ear. He created the seeing eye. He wants His people to see. He doesn't want them to err in vision. He doesn't want them to sit at tables full of vomit where there's disease, contamination, plagues, spiritually, spiritually. So, we're going to be back in a, in a few minutes. I'm going to continue. We're going to finish out the uh, third hour. Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry Radio Church Podcasts 1360khnc.com Tejibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit TeheboTeaClub.com. Tehebo is spelled T like Tom, A-H-E-E-B like boy, O, then continue with the word T and then the word club. The complete website is TeheboTeaClub.com or call us at 818-610-8088, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-610-8088, TeheboTeaClub.com. Reasons to own gold. Reason number one. Culturally, the golden rule is treating others as you want to be treated, but financially, The golden rule is those that have the gold make the rules. When you retire, make sure you can write your rules. Call the Patriot Trading Group at 800-951-0592 or visit our website at allamericangold.com. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The MyPillow guy. And you're looking good. Still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever, MyPillow 2.0. When I invented MyPillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. MyPillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature-regulating thread. MyPillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of MyPillow. The best sleep just got even better. Whether you have a MyPillow or not, you need to get the brand new MyPillow 2.0. Call or go to MyPillow.com now. Use your promo code. KHNC. And for a limited time, when you buy one, you'll get a second one absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler, too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. Use promo code KHNC. Visit MyPillow.com. 
You're listening to the Roar of the Rockies, KHNC, 1360 AM, Johnstown, Greeley, Loveland, Fort Collins. Hey, Chris Lewis here with My Favorite Gunsmith at MyFavoriteGunsmith.com, 970-776-0258. At My Favorite Gunsmith, all I do is repair firearms. I love freedom more than guns, but the only thing that separates a free man from a slave is firearm ownership. I would only add that it needs to work. All of my guns work. Do yours? Find out. 970-776-0258. My Favorite Gunsmith at MyFavoriteGunsmith.com. That's 970-776-0258. Did the fire marshal take one look down your driveway and say, Uh, my guys aren't going down there. Or are there parts of it that just need a little more sun? Then call Affordable Tree at 970-568-6898. We can climb, cut, or trim your problems away. Specializing in defensive space, upper and lower fire mitigation, forest health, plus we can save freshly hit beetle trees. So call us at 568-6898. That's 568-6898. Hi, folks. I'm James Morgan, a realtor with Grisham & Associates, LLC. I know it must seem like there's a million realtors out there making all kinds of promises. Want to hear my big marketing promise? I promise honest and fair dealings with all those I do business with. That may sound old-fashioned, and it is not very catchy, but it is true. I am your Colorado real estate specialist. Farm, land, mountain cabins, or urban dwellings. When you work with my team, we'll get the right property for you and be upfront and honest with you every step of the way. Over the years, my clients have told me just that fact alone separates us from others in the industry. If you are considering buying or selling real estate, call me, James Morgan, at 720-203-0731 or visit my website at coloradoproperties.online. No catchy slogan, just a client-first, honest real estate experience. Hit it, girls. Keep listening to the American Freedom Network. Hey, 1360 fans, Tika here with Serenity Painting. Did you know that we also offer concrete, framing, drywall, and much more? For a free estimate, call us at 970-978-9565. Mention 1360 and receive 15% off any construction service and or free upgrade to lifetime warranty paint with a seven-year labor warranty included. Call us today at 970-978-9565. The real cost of the state is the prosperity we do not see, the jobs that don't exist, the technologies to which we do not have access, the businesses that do not come into existence, and the bright future that is stolen from us. The state has looted us just as surely as a robber who enters our home at night and steals all that we love. Frederick Bastiat. Hey folks, as a CBD user, I can attest to its effectiveness. And now my kind CBD products are available at the station. You'll see tinctures, salves, lotions, creams, coffee, cocoa, tea, and much more. You'll even find CBD retinol cream. KHNC also carries my kind pet products, including shampoo and tincture, allowing your best friend to enjoy the same benefits of CBD that you do. The best prices, the best quality, and all THC free. My kind CBD, CBD as nature intended. It. 
Welcome to the third hour of today's program, the Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry Radio Church Program. I'm your host, Rick Rodriguez. My uh, contact information is Olive Tree Ministry, P.O. Box 872, Longmont, Colorado, 80501. I'm sorry, 80502. I grew up with 80501. And uh, we have new zip code, uh, bigger expanded zip code area. So, uh, P.O. Box 872, Longmont, Colorado, 80502. And the podcasts are on 1360khnc.com to the Olive Tree site. I know that uh, you'll have to listen to Hour 1 and 2. I uh, am going to uh, continue with the two important uh, what has been presented to us in Daniel 9.27, the signing of an agreement between Antichrist or the coming man of perdition, son of perdition, the abomination of desolation, the nation of Israel, which is in Daniel 9.27, also in Isaiah chapter 28, verses 15 through 18, called the treaty with death and with hell. I just finished uh, verse 15, and uh, I think actually I finished verse uh, 19. I felt to be thorough with this. I am really doing a study on the book of Matthew, chapter 24, and going to each segment of that book because it deals specifically with the last 10 years, the last decade before Christ returns. And uh, yes, Matthew has talked about, you know, what has happened through the last 20. 2,000 years, but Christ, I believe, he was presenting to the disciples what would happen in the last decade before his return. And I'm explaining one point in that decade that starts what we call a seven-year tribulation period. The one example, only one thing, is Isaiah 28 verses 15 through 18, the treaty with death and hell, and Daniel 9:27, the the coming prince of the, of the underworld will sign an agreement for seven years with Israel, and he will break that covenant, a, an agreement, a treaty, a covenant, a promise. He will break it, and that is in Matthew. Chapter 28, that agreement is there. Uh, Give me just a second and I will get the exact verse for you. Let's see, it would be... Yeah. And the verse that I'm talking of begins the great tribulation, well actually begins the tribulation... That is in verse 9. The tribulation 
begins in Matthew chapter 24, verse 9. And this verse begins, can only begin with the fulfillment of a treaty being signed with Israel called the Treaty with Death and Hell. I've been explaining this treaty. This treaty, once you understand it, 9, Daniel 9.27 and <clears throat> Isaiah 28, verses 15, 16, 17, and 18, then you will see why I say that Christ was talking about the last decade. Because when verse 9 begins, this will be probably seven years plus, uh, this, is, this is a prophetic year or uh, the time clock of the prophets. It will be a, a seven year period, 1,260 days for the first half, 1,260 days for the second half, the tribulation ends, then there is a 1,135, well, there's there's another, boy, let me think about this a second. I want to make sure I get this right. After the, the 1,260 days are done for the final half of the tribulation, there will be another 75-day period of time. When that 75-day period of time is done, then uh, we should be, right at that time, be in the Millennial Kingdom. So, this is what why I say that Matthew, in, verse, in Matthew 24, verse 9, verse 9 cannot begin until the treaty with death and hell is signed. And the minute it is signed, the tribulation, the first half of the tribulation, for 1,260 days begins. So I'm going to remember that, but I'm going to take you back quickly to Isaiah. Because I want to finish Isaiah. Okay. Uh, verse 19. From the time that it goes forth, they've signed an agreement, they've made a mistake, they erred in their vision and in their judgment. They are going to be invaded from the time that, verse 19, Isaiah 28, 19, from the time that it goes forth, and this is something living, from the time that the Antichrist begins, it will take you. What has been set in motion cannot be stopped. Morning by morning shall it pass over you, day by day and, and day by day and by night. It shall be a vexation only to understand the report, just to understand what has just happened. Verse 20, the bed is shorter than a man can stretch himself on it, and the covering narrower, narrower than the man can wrap himself in it. But then, the Lord is going to rise up as in Mount Perizim. He shall be uh, wroth and angry <clears throat> as in the valley of Gibeon that he may do his work, his strange work. Now, this is interesting. This isn't that he is coming to punish Antichrist and the invaders. No. He's angry. And he's going to rise up like he did in Mount Perizim. He's as angry as 
he was in the valley of Gibeon, that he may do his work, his strange work, and bring to pass his act, his strange act. This is directed at Israel. And at the same time, we in this country, the spirit of verse 21, Isaiah 28, 21, the spirit applies to we believers in the evangelical churches. All the churches in America, including the Catholics, Anglican, Episcopalian, Presbyterian, uh, Greek Orthodox, Lutherans, all Christians in America. Because all the Christians in all seven churches are going to be in the, the nation of the king of Babylon. So we're all going to be a target. Now he says here that, uh, so what, it, what the verse is saying is that because Israel has made an agreement to marry the underworld, then God is going to do something that would be very strange to his people. And because in the evangelical churches in this country, don't think we haven't done the same thing. We have wed ourselves to the world. We as believers in America, the culture and the world and mammon and all the demons of the land are so powerful that we have been overcome by it, just like Israel. Don't think that we have it also to a degree, in a sense, in the principle, uh, married ourselves to the world. The New Testament talks quite a bit about the cosmos, about the world. And we have done the same thing. We love the world. We believers in the evangelical churches we love the world. We've had the best of this nation. Freedoms. Job opportunities. It goes on and on. Education. So God is going to do something with Israel and with the evangelical and the other churches in, in America. God is going to do a strange work. He's going to bring to pass his act, his strange act. And in one translation it says, to destroy his own people. To destroy his own people. Nothing has changed in God's ways. Whenever his people were disobedient to him, he always allowed an invasion. And Israel has once again, for a final time, been invaded. And we in the, in the churches of God, in the family of God, We've been invaded by the cosmos. And God can't allow it. So what does God do? Just like with Israel, the same will happen to we believers in this country. Israel has just been invaded by the king of Babylon. Or is going to be invaded, yeah. At the beginning of the invasion. We... Now in verse 9 of Matthew, how does God deal with us? It is through 
persecution. This is what is being stated. And uh, I'm going to read that verse again. Verse 9. Then they will hand you over to be persecuted. God's ways don't ever change. They never change. Israel is now going to suffer persecution, and so are we. It won't be severe yet, but it will just be the beginning of persecution for them. They will, they will never have, they will always be uncomfortable. The bed will be too short. The blankets will be too narrow. So the Lord is going to bring to pass His act, His strange act, to destroy His own people. Verse 22. Therefore, now therefore be ye not mockers, lest your bands be made strong. For I have heard from the Lord, the Lord God of hosts, Yahweh Sabaoth, a consumption even determined upon the whole earth. Okay, what has just happened is by the signing of this agreement with the underworld, with the prince of the underworld, who still walks on two legs, what is going to happen is the word consumption. This word consumption uh, has a, a very unique meaning. It means the beginning of punishment upon not just Israel, and not just the churches of, of the world, but the nations of the world too. A punishment, a consumption, hardships, even determined upon the whole world. This affects not just mankind. It affects the environment. It affects nature. It affects the oceans, the stars, the heavens, the land is just the beginning. It's a time of tribulation, a time of consumption or punishment upon the whole world. Verse 23, this is what God is saying to the Christian people. Israel is Israel, but to the Christian people, give ear, hear my voice. Pay attention. Hear what I'm speaking. This is what the Lord is telling the churches in America, the evangelical churches. I include the Catholics and Lutherans, all of them, but especially the evangelicals. Give ear. Turn your ear. Make sure you're listening. Hear my voice. Pay attention. Hear what I'm speaking. Verse 24. Doth the plowman plow all day to sow? No. Doth he open and break the clods of his ground? So in other words, God is doing something for a purpose. When, verse 25, when he had made plain, once the farmer has made the ground ready, then he casts the fitches. And then he scatters the cumin. And they cast in the, the, the important wheat, the principal wheat, the choice wheat. 
and at the appointed barley, and the appointed barley and the rye in their place. So everything is planted at the right time. Uh, everything is done in sequence. And here in Matthew 24, you're seeing the sequence of events that will happen in the last 10 years. Here in Isaiah 28, you're seeing the sequence of events of what God is going to do with Israel from victories to punishment to signing an agreement to hardships. For the, his God does instruct him to discretion. So we are being instructed. And he teaches him. He teaches the farmer, the plowman. Verse 27, For the fitches are not threshed with the threshing instrument, neither is a cart wheel turned about upon the cumin. But the fitches are beaten out with the staff and the cumin with the rod. Bread corn is bruised because he will not ever be threshing it. I wish I had a different translation. Nor break it with the wheel of his cart, nor bruise it with his horsemen. In other words, it's not going to be complete total annihilation of Israel, of the people in the church, or of the people of the world. God does everything with the purpose. You have to have the field being ready for what? Harvest. And the harvest will take place in a proper manner with Israel, with the church, with the world, the children of the world. Of the three, now at the end of the tribulation, the, both, the seven years of tribulation, we'll talk about this in a second, then we will be resur resurrected. Once we're resurrected, we will not suffer any of the final judgments coming on the world. We will not suffer the wrath that is coming. But we will have the punishment of Antichrist who will come to make war with us. So now we have the bomb, the, I've laid out Daniel 9.27, the covenant, and Isaiah 28, the treaty with death and hell. It has just been signed, and then once it is signed, here's what happens. Verse 9, Matthew 24. Then they will hand you over to be persecuted. They will kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. Many will fall away. Now this is Christian people. And betray one another. And hate one another. This is your fellow Christian that will betray you. And hate you. Verse 11. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. I believe these will be many in the, in the churches. Because lawlessness will multiply, <clears throat> the love of many will grow cold. Natural affection, the beginning of the, the, uh, the, the end of just natural affection. Because why? People love their flesh more than they desire to follow the Holy Spirit. They want to protect 
their flesh. They want to protect themselves. They will betray one another. They'll hate one another. Those that are godly, you're going to be hated. Because you're going to have a blessing on you that is going to be evident. And you're going to be hated because of it. Because they won't have that blessing and that protection that you have. They won't have that spirit of peace that you're going to have. They're going to hate you because of it. Because of lawlessness, lawlessness is going to multiply. The love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Uh, so in other words, uh, there are going to be those who endure. And they're going to be saved, yes, eternally. But it means you're going to be saved with your soul. You're going to be mature. You're going to have the salvation of the soul. You're going to have the transforming of your mind, the renewing of your mind. You're going to be transformed into the image of Christ. This good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in the world as a testimony to all nations. This is now, we believers, now with what I'm presenting to you, I say, up the road, nine years, let's say in that vicinity, we're going to be in eternity. We're going to be in the millennial kingdom. We will have our new bodies. We will be eternal. We will have gone through the judgment seat of Christ. We will be rewarded at the banquet feast in the millennial kingdom. We will be given our responsibilities to rule from the air. We're going to rule the nations with the rod of iron. We're going to be seated on the throne as Christ was seated next to his father. And in, a, in an example of uh, the angels who don't understand God's plan with man. All of a sudden, uh, at one point we were fallen man, and we're going to be seated with Christ in his throne. The angels aren't going to comprehend this. They can't comprehend it. Uh, because the angels only, only, only understand there's a transgression, there must be punishment. They don't understand salvation because or or forgiveness because they've never they've never violated uh, their allegiance to God except for the fallen angels so they're not going to quite understand what and why we are being so exalted in all of the churches there's a promise to each of the seven churches why why are they being exalted they're fallen look at the evil they did during their lifetime they don't understand the blood of Christ. They don't understand the forgiveness. They don't understand repentance. They don't understand, you know, standing against the soul. Standing against the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. They don't understand it. So, what Matthew was saying, the good news that this kingdom is coming. Finally, this kingdom is coming. And there's going to be righteousness. And the nations are going to be punished. And the, the wicked of the earth are going to be judged. This good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end shall come. Then the end will come. It's our responsibility 
to present to the nations what is coming. That's what we're to do. So I'm going to finish out this this portion of today's program, and uh, I will continue with the final uh, last half of the third hour. Podcasts are on 1360KHNC.com. And you can go to the podcast section, to the Olive Tree section, and uh, you can listen to the programs at your convenience. To those who are dropping off, God bless you. Don't be, don't live in fear. Just, just turn to the Lord. Let Him carry you through what's the time that's coming. That's what He does. He promises He will carry His people, no matter what. We'll be back. What can the right financial advisor help you plan for? Your kid's awkward teenage phase and they need braces. Saving up for your kid's college education. Your daughter is planning for the wedding of her dreams. Taking the grandkids to a Disney World cruise. The wife needs to fly first class to Europe. You want a boys only trip to Vegas to get away from things. Being able to retire and live the lifestyle of your desire. With the right advisor and the right plan, all of these things are possible. I'm Joey Jaquin, and I want to be your financial advisor and help you and your loved ones live the life of your dreams. Let's not beat around the bush. This is going to require a lot of hard work, but I can personally guarantee that nobody will outwork me when it comes to being there for my clients. Too many advisors cut corners and take shortcuts to sell you. As you know, my parents raised me to be better than that. Reach me at my cell, 602-909-9048. Again, 602-909-9048. Day by day, day by day, oh dear Lord, three things I pray, to see thee more clearly, love thee more dearly, follow thee. Yeah.
Contact information is Olive Tree Ministry, P.O. Box 872, Longmont, Colorado, 80502. And the podcasts are on 1360KHNC.com. I know that today, this program, I wasn't sure what was important for this audience. I leave that to the Lord. He's the master of ceremonies. He's the one that gets to decide. I just uh, had to ask him, pray, and decide which direction to go. And I was, I, I'm a little deeper than I normally go, but I feel that with what is happening in the current events, Things are developing so quickly that the sooner you hear the truth uh, and you understand what the scripture is saying about the time that we're in, Matthew chapter 24, I say it is talking specifically about the last, what happens in the last decade. And I am trying to prove my point as clearly as I can. I don't know if I will ever cover this in this manner again. I may, I may not. But for today, this is what I felt the Lord was directing me, the direction that He was leading me in this direction. And because of that, I uh, actually, it just seemed to flow. So now we're through the first half of the tribulation. The first half of the tribulation is ended in chapter in, in verse 14. Matthew 24:14. The first half of the tribulation is now over. Now the great tribulation begins. I'm going to rehearse again. Verse 9 begins with the signing of the agreement between Antichrist, the king of Babylon, and Israel. Now here in verse 15, this is how the Jewish people will understand uh, what we would we term Antichrist, the man of sin, the son of perdition, the coming prince, which Israel would understand. But Israel understands it in their own terminology. Verse 15, Now, this is the beginning of the last 1,260 days that is the Great Tribulation. This is the beginning of the Great Tribulation. Verse 15. So, when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then those that are in Judea must flee to the mountains. A man on the housetop must not come down to get things out of his house. Verse 18. A man in the field must not go back to get his coat. Verse 19. 
Woe to women who are pregnant and nursing mothers in those days. Verse 20. Pray that your escape may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. The word escape is very important. They're prisoner. They're prisoners by the law, by the Sanhedrin, and now they have to get out. They have to escape. Pray that your escape be not in the winter or on a Sabbath. The context is not positive. Whether winter, you don't want to travel in the winter. It's harsh. But, why would Christ say on the Sabbath? Remember what he said at the beginning of Matthew 24? That the time would come where the temple would be completely destroyed and not one stone would be upon another? He was coming to tear down the religious center and the the uh, point of reference for the children of Israel, the temple, and also Judaism. He was coming to bring in a new way in which to worship his father. It would be through spirit, in spirit. It wouldn't be outward. It would be the worship must be in spirit. Well, here in verse 20, once again, in Israel, there will once again be this restrictive religion again. What Christ destroyed 2,000 years ago will once again be allowed by God to uh, be the religion once again of Israel. You won't be able to travel on the Sabbath. Christ didn't mean this in in a positive way. What he destroyed 2,000 years ago has returned. Restrictive religion. Non-reality religion. And you won't be able to travel travel on the Sabbath. And he did say, pray that your escape would not be on that Sabbath. Because you won't be allowed to do anything. You can't travel. You can't leave your home. This is how restrictive Judaism or, or the the <clears throat> the laws of the Sanhedrin were back then and how restrictive the laws of the Sanhedrin will be at that time when the abomination of desolation declares himself to be God. It is detailed in Matthew chapter 24. It is detailed. Christ is trying to present to we evangelical churches today that he is talking about the last decade. And now he's talking about more precisely what will happen on the first day of the Great Tribulation on that middle day. Verse 21. At that time there will be great great distress. At that time there will be great tribulation, distress, hardship. The kind that hasn't taken place from the beginning of the world until now, until now, 
and never will again. This is the beginning. So again, this treaty that was signed in verse 19, this treaty, the impact of what that treaty was, and how <clears throat> how in the middle of the seven years of tribulation, that treaty will be broken, annulled, as Isaiah put it in verse in Isaiah 28, annulled. It begins the hardest time ever for mankind since the beginning of the world and even until now. And we think, well, you know, the time of Noah was pretty severe. It was. But Noah didn't have the technology that we have. Noah didn't have cameras on every block in every city of this country. He didn't have a way to listen to your conversations. Verse 22, Unless those days were cut short, no one would be saved. No flesh would be saved in the King James. Flesh meaning man nor beast. But those days will be cut short because of the elect. Now, this is the mystery. Elect. We Christians, are we the elect? No, we're not the elect. Israel is the elect. We are the family of Christ. We are His body. We are His church. We are His assembly. Israel is the elect. And if the days and the hardships of Antichrist in Israel weren't cut short, the Jewish people would be exterminated. They would not exist. The elect are never the Christians. We're the brothers of Christ. We're the family of Christ. We're the we're the, the uh, uh, his people, uh, his uh, spiritual people. Then still, verse twenty-three. If anyone tells you. Then, see, here is the Messiah, or over there. Do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders to lead astray, if it were possible, even the elect. Again, this is the elect. The principle does apply to us, but there are going to be messiahs that are going to appear in Israel. False messiahs, false prophets, the Jews, the Jewish people, they always, what is it? Scripture said, they seek signs and wonders. That's what they used to seek, signs and wonders, to lead astray. We are not to seek signs and wonders. You know, we're not even to seek the wisdom of man. So, verse 25, the Lord said, pay attention, take note. I'm telling you in advance. So if they tell you, see Christ, because they know by then, the Jewish people will know for sure. Once the abomination of desolation takes his stand in the holy place, well, how do I phrase it? Well, the Jewish people, they know the abomination of desolation. Uh, they are ready for their Messiah. They know now. Their Messiah is coming. 
In fact, they're going to desire, finally, that their Messiah will come. So they're going to be looking, they're going to be open, open, they're going to be receptive to being deceived. And this is why Christ is saying in verse 25, take note, pay attention, I told you in advance. So if they tell you, see, he's in the wilderness, don't go out. Or see, he's in the storerooms, don't believe it. But he says this, As lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the carcass is, there the vultures will gather. So Christ is saying, My coming is going to be very clear. Don't listen to what people and these false prophets and and false messiahs are telling you. I'm telling you that just like you see the lightning come from the east, and it flashes to the west. That's how you're going to know who I am. So don't believe what you hear. Now, <clears throat> now that ends now the Great Tribulation. 28 ends the Great Tribulation. This is why I emphasize Matthew is breaking this chapter in segments so that we, in the last decade, know the sequence of things. Firstly, there's going to be distress, and there's going to be birth pains and sorrow. Then there's going to be the assigning of the agreement in verse 9. That starts a tribulation. Then there's going to be the beginning of the Great Tribulation in verse 15. That's the next segment, segment 3. Or you could say four, because the first segment really would be the destruction of the temple in A.D. 70. Then you're going to have, so you have the destruction of the temple, birth pains, and sorrows. Thirdly, you're going to have the signing of the agreement. Fourthly, you're going to have the Great Tribulation. Now the next segment, here's what Christ says in verse 29. Immediately after the distress or tribulation of those days. So now the tribulation is ended. It's over. It's finished. And here's where many Christians miss, miss the prophecies. Then the sun will be darkened. The moon will not shed its light. Many Christians say this will happen uh, somewhere in the seven years of tribulation. Well, the Lord says... After the distress of those days, after the great, after the tribulation seven year period is over, then you're going to see the sun be darkened, and then you'll see the moon, and it will not shed its light, the stars will fall from the sky, the powers of the heavens will be shaken, <clears throat> then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, then all the peoples of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He will send out his angels with a loud trumpet, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. <clears throat> now, after the tribulation ends, somewhere immediately there's going to be a 
there's going to be 1,260 days, a second segment of 1,260 days. There's going to be another segment in the book of Daniel, chapter 12, of 30 days. I, I meant to mention this earlier, and I didn't. After the tribulation is over, there's going to be a 30-day period of time. And in that 30 days, certain events have to happen. The rapture or the resurrection. I'll use the rapture because now you can get excited. After the tribulation, then the resurrection will occur. Following the resurrection, America as Babylon the Great will be destroyed, judged by Antichrist and the kings and the royalty in Revelation chapter 17. They give their power to the beast for one hour. Then America is judged. Babylon the Great, the throne of Antichrist, will be judged. At that time, Antichrist will have left this nation and he will have set up his palaces, his great palace, his great residence, I believe in the cedars of Lebanon. They will be that's where he will be that's where he will live. America will be judged. Then then the scene will be set now for Armageddon. So, the powers of the heavens are going to be shaken. Everyone is going to know that Christ is coming. And we are caught up to the air, to the judgment seat of Christ. That is where we're going to be, uh, stand before Christ to be rewarded for our, what we've done in our lifetime. Or our works, if they were gold, silver, precious stone, they will go through fire. If everything we did was in the flesh, the soul, or in ourselves, it will be burned. If it wasn't done in the Holy Spirit, it will be, it will not pass the test. <clears throat> so now you have Christ gathering. We have been gathered to Him. Now, all of the elect, the Jewish people that are all throughout the world that haven't made it back to Israel, and even in that vicinity, in that area, in the area of Petra, in Israel, the Jewish people will be brought together. So that is how, those are the five segments of Matthew chapter 24. And this way, you can go back and you can listen to the program and I hopefully have been as clear and concise as I could be. I was able to take Isaiah 28 and give you the whole chapter and all of the, uh, the insights into that chapter. I did go through it rather quickly. There are more, there's more in that chapter that I really didn't um, cover in detail, but it is a it is Israel and God also speaking to the evangelical churches in America. It is both. 
Antichrist will be used by God to punish Israel and the churches and the believers in America. God is uh, wise in how he uh, uses individuals. He used Nebuchadnezzar in the time of Daniel as a as a tool to punish Israel, but to protect Israel. But at the same time, to use the children of Israel that went into Babylon at that time to make Nebuchadnezzar what he would become, a great king. We Americans, we Christians in America, we have made America a great nation. But our work in making this nation great is over. Now, we're going to, we have a, a duty as believers in this country. We're an army. We are being mustered. We are being counted by God. We are being called by God for a different purpose. We're no longer building an empire for the rulers of this, this nation. We are now proclaiming a kingdom that is eternal. We're members of an eternal kingdom. We are now being summoned, mustered, called to be a small group of believers that know the Lord, that are going to be effective in the warfare to come. Our warfare is not going to be with bullets, not going to be with weapons of the of man. Our weapons are spiritual prayer and giftings that God has given us. I know that uh, many have a problem with the giftings. I mention this all the time. Don't have a problem with the giftings that Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Don't don't have a prejudice toward those giftings. You, every one of you, you have giftings in that chapter. I don't know if you know what the giftings are. Those giftings are vital for yourself and for those around you. They're holy. There's nothing wrong with these giftings. giftings. They were given to the churches because they're needed and they are holy they are pure when used properly they are needed we're going to need we're in the time now as we go forward in time we need miracles we're going to need miracles some are are like uh, you, you may something may happen you may die and you're needed, and people around you will know that you need to still be here. They'll be able to lay hands on you, pray. You'll come back to life because your ministry or your life isn't over yet. You'll need people around you that have that kind of discernment. Uh, you're going to need miracles for, you know, uh, who knows what kind of miracles you're going to need. Then also, through the teachers... A solid 
teachers that know and understand the prophecies of our time, they are very, very valuable. They are needed uh, more than ever. We will have true apostles and true prophets. There will be. Not going to be these individuals that say that they are apostles and prophets because God because they were appointed by man. No. They have to be appointed by God. And there will be, Revelation chapter 18, there will be individuals that have apostolic abilities. They will be apostles in the, in the sense of they will be servants, not prestigious individuals. They will be servants for the body of Christ. We're done with today's program. God bless you. God bless you in a mighty, mighty way. God keep you, protect you. May God be with you, your families. I will talk to you next week. And uh, join me again next Sunday, 9 to noon, for the Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry Radio Church Program. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Talk to you next week. Hey, Sharp Community members, this is Tommy with Tommy's Barbers and Blades. We're reaching out to you guys to let you know that we're in need of a barber or stylist at our Mead location on Highway 66 and I-25. If you're a seasoned pro or know someone who's great, give us a ring at 720-745-0783 or stop in and talk to us. We're looking for you. Again, that's 720-745-0783. As the economy tightens, retailers are getting their products in front of thousands of new customers every month. The P.E. Gun Show is a whole family event featuring toys, craft items, food, survival and hunting accessories. Every show is loaded with potential buyers looking for your products. For table rental information, contact PEShows.com or call them at 970-663-9101. The P.E. Gun Shows of Northern Colorado has a proud tradition of bringing you the very best gun shows for many years. We are now looking for a new facility for our events. We are seeking a building size in the 15,000 to 35,000 square foot range with parking. If you are aware of a facility that can meet our size requirements, please contact us at 970-779-0360. That's 970-779-0360. You're listening to the Roar of the Rockies, KHNC, 1360 AM, Johnstown, Greeley, Loveland, Fort Collins. The views and opinions expressed on 1360 KHNC are entirely those of the host, guests,